please make sure that your seatbelt securely fastened. At this time, I ask that all portable electronic devices be turned off. Thank you. Welcome to a special Halloween podcast of the Vagabond Exchange, coming from the echoey hollows of a dining room somewhere in Nashville, are Emily and William. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> that, that's not as spooky as it is, like, comical. Oh, really? No, How do I make kidding. it spooky? I don't know. I'm behind you right now. <laughs> mm. I said spooky, not creepy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All so, right. did you have a good Halloween? I did. Was it spooktacular? It was. Did you carve pumpkins? No. Neither did I, and I really wanted to. What are hard pumpkins? Carve pumpkins. Oh, <laughs> I did have hard pumpkins. <laughs> but it had, had nothing, nothing to do with the Halloween. holiday. Oh, right. William. Let me uh, get our normal sound back. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Seattle Joe, this was for you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we are. We didn't make a list. <sighs> no. We're, we're going to have to go off the cuff or just make it. No, we yeah, can... we can go off the cuff. Okay. So, yeah, we had a good Halloween weekend, right? We did. Did you enjoy your Halloween? I did enjoy my Halloween. As usual, as I get older... Every year, every holiday goes by quickly. And before I know it, it's here and gone. And I haven't really done anything. I don't feel any different. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but every year a holiday goes by. Yeah. But you don't really count Halloween in that. Well, kind of. Because there's all this build-up to everything. And then it just it goes by so quickly. Well, I feel that way about like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Christmas. But not really Halloween. I guess I, I don't really, I don't feel as much of a Halloween, but, you know, people start talking about costumes in early October, and... Well, see, the thing is, like, immediately after Halloween, they start the Christmas, Christmas commercials and stuff like that. Yes. So then, I feel like this mass rush of time is yeah. going by. It's like, I gotta cram in so much happiness and joy and <laughs> When really, we should be spreading out our happiness and joy throughout the year. Throughout the year. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yesterday evening, we have to give a shout out to our friend, uh, Columbus Dan, which is going to be his Columbus new name. Columbus Dan. Formerly, uh, Nashville Dan. Yeah. But he has relocated due to his, uh, recent promotion and is now living in Columbus. So we had a little going away soiree slash Halloween party for him last night. Right. And. Although you and I, we didn't dress up. No. Nor did we stay very late. No. We dressed up. What were you? I just wore a cute dress. Oh. Right? And you looked cute. Well, we, we dressed. <laughs> we didn't walk in naked. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Well, we dressed in, in like cuter stuff than we'd normally wear. At least I did. Oh, well, you looked very nice yesterday. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't feeling well, so we left early. Yes, and I wasn't feeling well because I couldn't watch the baseball game. <laughs> And by the baseball game, we're talking about the World Series here, yes. people. And at this point, 
the point of this recording, the Yankees are up on the Phillies two to one. Right. So. So fingers crossed. That's right. As you know, William's heart will just shatter into a million pieces if the Phillies lose. It will. For a couple weeks, anyway. Yes. But we want to wish Dan a, fa- a fine farewell. Yes, and best of luck in your new endeavors, and you better come back and visit us. Yes. I. Or we'll come to you. Yep. I've always admired Dan. Smart guy. Mm-hmm. Only guy I know who can drive a moving van and throw up out of the window at the same time. <laughs> yes. During Dan's move, he had uh, apparently a terrible bout of food poisoning, but somehow managed to make uh, the seven-hour drive between Nashville and uh, Columbus while being Puking. ill. Yeah. yeah. Vomiting out the side of his U-Haul. Yes. So. But that's not the reason I admire Dan. Dan's just a good guy. He is a good guy. Genuine, sincere. Mm-hmm. He's a cutie, too. Notre Dame fan. Yep. Yep. So, we love Dan. We do. Thanks for the memory of the glad I met you. Cheerio and toodaloo. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, so other than that, I really didn't do anything for Halloween. I was pretty... Uh, lackadaisical in my ghoulish endeavors and i had all of these like big thoughts like i wanted to carve pumpkins and pass out candy and put up some decorations and i did none of that i didn't want to do any of that (laughs) but that's really not out of the norm for you (laughs) well like for christmas i like to decorate yes and thanksgiving but you don't typically decorate for halloween no but i used to go trick-or-treating and hand out candy (laughs) <laughs> used to like uh 25 years ago <laughs> exactly that's a strange thing to say um i, I do want to say something though like yesterday mm-hmm. before we went to the party i came over to your house because i was going to follow you to the party right but i left because you said you had to stop and get gas so i just went ahead and went to the party but i noticed going through your neighborhood neighborhood that mm-hmm. all these kids were out trick-or-treating yes there are a lot of kids but they were very hard to see Yes, would, they are very hard to see. You yeah. would think at this point there would be something that, you know, these stores would sell during the Halloween mm-hmm. season that kids could wear. So they would be easier to see when they're walking around the neighborhood. I was driving so slow because I right. was afraid someone was just going to just jump out into the street. And I should have warned you um, because the first I've lived in that neighborhood now for, I mean, out of the six years I've been in Nashville, I've lived there probably four and every year, I'm always surprised on Halloween, because inevitably I'm heading to some soiree right. when it's dark out, at how many kids there are and how how kind of scattered they are. It seemed like, were they all over the road when you drove through? Because usually they don't, you know, they kind of travel in packs, so right. there will be, always be a couple stragglers, like, you know, a couple feet into the road. And I guess, I mean, it's a pretty good sense of community in the section of Nashville where I live, so everybody kind of looks out for each other, but... You're right. Yeah. And it's every year. And every year I'm like, I have to remind myself to be careful. Yeah. And I didn't see them all like holding hands with their parents. No. That's Some of them I mean. were, they were, yeah, they were by themselves. Weren't kept on a short enough, enough leash. Yeah. But. But I, mean, I like that my neighborhood's safe and that they can, can trick or treat. Yeah. So. That's what I was thinking. It's nice to know that people can still go door, door to door. door. And, yeah. So. Which, speaking of which, when we were at the party last night. Um, a strange brigade of people came to the door at one point trick-or-treating. Yeah. 
But when they got to the door, you would have not known they were trick-or-treaters as they merely knocked on the door. Yeah. Like. And it was, apparently this was a guy. I thought it was a woman. I thought it was a woman, too. But, but it, he, he looked like Robert Plant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It looked like kind of a, a feminine version of Robert Plant. Because yeah. I thought it was a woman, too. And I don't know. I don't think the person that answered the door, I don't think she could identify the gender either. Right. So. Plus, this person had on uh, dark sunglasses, sunglasses in the middle of the night. So. And we later discovered only, like, one tooth, apparently. Right. Um, and that kid was probably abducted sometime <laughs> earlier during the day. It's like, I need candy, kid. <laughs> I didn't see the kid. What was the kid dressed up as? Like a ghost. But so they, they probably... still never said trick or treat. They just stood there with their bags open. Right. And I think that once she gave the kid candy... The adult had asked for candy, too, because she kind of turned around and looked back at him and said, oh, yeah, and put something in his bag. (laughs) I was like, really? I bet they just ended up showing up at the door at the same time, but they weren't really together. (laughs) Exactly. The kid was just like, oh, crap. (laughs) The guy was just out trick-or-treating by himself. And as soon as she shut the door, that kid just ran. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any fond um, memories of trick-or-treating? No. My mom was a nurse, so she was very afraid uh, of uh, going door to door. Right. So she would take me to the mall every Halloween. Oh, yeah. I forgot the mall used to do that. So we would we would go store to store and get candy. And that was it. I see. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Now, you had your brothers, right? So Yeah. Yeah. So we, we went trick-or-treating every year. And, of course, I grew up in Michigan. So usually around the end of October, it had started to get really cold outside So inevitably, every year we would start out in our costumes and get about three houses down the road, turn around, come home, and put on sweatshirts and go back out. (laughs) There there was one year I remember, this is like the, I tell this story all the time, and my mom, my mom's very creative when it came to costumes and kind of, she often made our costumes herself. Mm -hmm. And so one year, I don't know, maybe we didn't have a lot of money that year, maybe she was just feeling extra artsy. (laughs) All three of us had like costumes that were derived from a cardboard box (laughs) so i was a present like she had wrapped it in wrapping paper and had this bow for my head and Mm -hmm. my youngest younger brother was a robot um who had like the cardboard box was the body and then she had taken like this kind of tubing that looks like an accordion and painted it silver and he had like a little keyboard she'd made that sat on the top of the box and a little hat thing but the boxes were big, so our arms stuck straight out of them. And so it was hard to hold our trick-or-treat bags. Uh-huh. So we ended up taking off the boxes before we even left and wore. <laughs> just wore regular clothes and went trick-or-treating. So we had some some pretty good times as kids yeah. at Halloween. Always had very interesting costumes. It's good. Did your dad ever go trick-or-treating with you? Or? Um, sometimes he would. It just depended because as we got older... Um, more and more people, there was there were more things that we wanted to do. Like our church had kind of the same thing that was at the mall. Like they would take all of the classrooms and like the Sunday school classrooms in the church and turn them into like different themed areas. Mm-hmm. And so it was supposed to be like a like a religious alternative to Halloween because oh. you know Halloween has so many kind of demonic right. notations. Paid, yeah. yeah, so you could go around to each room and and trick or treat. Um, and then there were like we, we'd go to our aunt and uncle's neighborhood because they had more houses. So it, it kind of changed as we got older, but yeah. yeah, it was good. Good, good times. Well, happy so, Halloween, everyone! And yes, hope you now we can look forward to the you know the real holidays, <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs>
You don't believe the story of the great pumpkin? I thought little girls always believed everything that was told to them. I thought little girls were innocent and trusting. Welcome to the 20th century. So. Oh. Oh. oh jinx. You owe me a Coke. Yeah. No, uh, last, do you want to talk about last weekend? Oh, yeah. I forgot about last weekend. Um, yeah, last weekend we um, took our trip to St. Louis for William's birthday mm-hmm. and um, spent, what, like a day, two, two and a half days there, roughly. Yeah. Um, did a little road trip and saw some sights in, in St. Louis. Yep. Did we, you have a good time? I had a, a really good time. I had a great time, too. We uh, we left uh, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and uh, actually Friday night, Emily and a bunch of friends took me to dinner for my birthday. Oh, that's right! I forgot that we did that. We went to the Yellow Porch. Yes, here I was going to say we yeah. need to do a plug for the Yellow Porch. Yes, it's, it's very um, dark, kind of romantic feel. Mm-hmm. A nice menu, a nice wine list. Yes, and the uh, the wait staff was very nice. Mm-hmm. They were accommodating. Because very accommodating. We had a, not a large group, but a bigger group than normal. So. Well, and we also, some of the people in our group didn't show up, so they were nice enough to hold, gave, gave us an extra table for a while, and then I thought they politely asked if they could take those settings back, which I thought was nice of them. Yep. Well, we had a good time. All of our friends were there right. to help you celebrate. Yep. Um, and the wait staff came out and sang happy birthday to me. Yeah, serenaded you with a two-part harmony acapella version of happy birthday. It was very pretty. Yep, gave me free cake. Yep, which is always good. Yep. In addition to the cupcakes that our Friend friends from the Iowa Iowa State made. Right. Um, Along with a birthday card that they fill out, filled out in their drunken state one night. Yeah. The same night that they made the cupcakes. cupcakes. So. Which the cupcakes were good, but you could tell that they were made... Um, Haphazardly? Yes. <laughs> um, but I'm sure with love nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. We had a good night. We did try to go bowling, um, but couldn't get a bowling lane due to some kind of reason. Yeah. Um, but it was a good night. It was a good night. Yeah. And so uh, the next morning we got up and left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a four and a half, five hour drive yeah. to St. Louis. Yeah. And so when we got there, we immediately went to the Budweiser Brewery. We did. And did the tour, which it was a nice tour. You can smell like the, what is it, the, the hops, hops yep. as you're walking on the grounds. It's that and, yeasty, uh, almost like bread baking. It's reminiscent of that to me. Right. A little more, like, you can tell it's a grain or something, though. I could, At least I could. Right. It smells really good. But it, it went well with the whole autumn feel. Mm-hmm. And then all the trees on the grounds were, like, perfect at their peak colors because yes. some of them were just like sunshiny gold color. beautiful yeah the drive up there was gorgeous it was all the trees were so pretty it was nice and sunny um and um they had the clydesdales as well we got to see yes. the horses that like you see in the commercials and they have names like what jacob i mean they had like normal names like yeah, jake and, and scott yeah. yeah yeah it was interesting so it was a nice tour then mm-hmm. at the end of the tour you get a free sample two free samples of beer if yes. you want and substantial stamp samples right i was going to ask you because we went to the miller brewery right uh, in milwaukee last year right so if you compared the two i say i would vote for budweiser you would yeah i think i would too for two Although reasons they were both nice I they thought. were nice yeah and both were very informative and i like i like seeing how things are made and i like 
kind of factory stuff. I always watch those TV shows and they talk about different foods or different like products and how they're made and things like that. Right. But um, I think the Miller, the thing about the Budweiser brewery is it was free. And you still got, there was no charge for the tour. And I think Miller charged us, didn't they? Yeah, we had to buy tickets. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was one thing. And the samples were also larger at um, the Budweiser Brewery. Yeah, you actually got like an actual, like if you went to a bar, that's the size of the sample that they gave you. Whereas I think Miller were cups. Yeah, they were little like, I don't know, maybe four or five ounces. Right. The one difference, though, when we went to Miller... They actually had the line, like the factory line or whatever you call it. Yeah, you could see the packaging, like the bottle and packaging area was was running. Right, and that wasn't the case at the Budweiser plant. But uh, I will say about both plants, they're both very clean. The grounds are clean. Yes. Everything is very, it's like spotless. Yes, it made me feel better about drinking beer. Beer, yeah. (laughs) And one interesting, other interesting thing was uh, the brewmasters. Yes, that was a cool story. They have brewmasters that uh, at the I guess at the end of every day is it? I think so. I think it was like a daily thing. Yeah. They have to taste the beer. Right. They also have to taste the water. Yes. That the beer is made, made with. Made from. Yeah. Made from. And um, but the thing is, these guys they have to go through a lot of schooling. Right. You can't just be like some bubba off the street and become a brewmaster. Well, you it, you can't even – it's not even like if you had a bachelor's degree, you could become a brewmaster. It was like nine years of schooling. Right. They, they said they started out as a biochemist, I believe. Right, And right. then they sent them over to Europe. Right. For like eight years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some ridiculous amount of time. And then so, they come back here. Right. And I don't even know if it's worth it. That's what I'm saying. Like how much beer – and we were talking about this when we were there. I, I bet they don't swallow it. Yeah, I bet they taste it, it and spit it out. Yeah. yeah. So. So w- when we heard the idea of being a brewmaster, both William and I asked where we could pick up an application. <laughs> but then when we found out. <laughs> Got to go to school for it. <laughs> exactly. I'm brewmaster in my kitchen every night. <laughs> several times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'd recommend um, the tour if you're in. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's really not that bad for kids either. Like I'm sure people think like, oh, beer. You know, you can't take kids. But it's interesting to kind of see the factory, and there's a lot of cool stuff to look at. And they move you pretty quickly through kind of each stage of the the beer-making process. There's not a lot of... Um, Lingering. Yeah, yeah, downtime. And, and they... Then, um, I'm sorry, but when they have the, the taste, the yes. tasting, even though if you have kids with you, they also give you free pretzels. Right. And so. I think they had, uh, like, sodas and stuff for kids, too. Okay. So there's, you know, there's little snacks at the end for everybody. Right. So, definite recommend if you go to St. Louis. Exactly. Oh, hi. I'm Jackie Moon. I drink one beer and one beer only. Bud Light. Bud Light. I'm horny. Jack, no, cut. Take it from a man who places electrical tape over his nipples. Hot. What? But I do. The official beer of people who like beer. Hot. That's a wrap. So we have to say, um, we have a lot of movie reviews that we're going to get to on this show, but to break it up so you don't get bored, we're just going to kind of talk about talk to them in sequence. Yeah. Um, so our, that first night that we were in, um, I almost said Seattle, but I mean St. Louis, um, we decided that we were going to see a, um, a serious man. Yes. And so we looked up the movie, and there were only like two theaters out of like eight in St. Louis that were showing it. So we headed over to, I think it was called the U-Loop. It's over by the University of St. Louis. 
but it was kind of a cool little funky college neighborhood. Um, lots of bars, restaurants, shops. Um, it's like a strip almost. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we ate there too, which I was thinking about it. None of the restaurants where we ate were very memorable. In St. Louis. Right. But we really didn't. It's not like we were seeking fine cuisine while we were there either. But yeah. we went to the Del Mar Lounge. Um, it's on Del Mar Boulevard, I think it is, in St. Louis. It's the main strip by the university. Right. If you're there, you shouldn't have trouble finding it. But they had, um, we had drinks, and <laughs> for those of you wondering what the ruckus is, um, the baby cat is trying to get into the windowsill, and he's fooling with the blinds. Apparently, there's something he's after. Yes. Because he's looking around. Something in his mind, because there's no insect or anything. So, anyway. <laughs> baby cat's a little spastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we had dinner there really quickly. Um and then we went to see the movie. And I think we should talk a little bit about the movie theater before right. we talk about the actual movie. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk yeah. about it? Uh, the movie theater is the Tivoli. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I it? think so. Built in 1924. 1924. Right. Um, it looks like it's a kind of a historic. It, it's very um, historical looking, right. for lack of a better term. When you come inside, it's got this beautiful lobby with all these great kind of um, hand-carved... Uh, I guess crown molding and the ceiling has this great kind of sculpture and painting on it. Um, they had some really great artwork with movie posters sort of embedded by, um, by genre, all the old great. Yeah, it's like a collage of yeah, movie that's posters. What I was looking for, yeah. Collage. It was pretty cool. And, uh, it says, well, it, it closed in 1994 because of a, it says a long period of decline. Um, but then reopened in 1995 after a $2 million renovation. Which they had photographs of the renovation that right. were kind of cool to look at. And the other um, cool thing was the usher that greeted us, because we bought our tickets before dinner and then kind of came back afterwards. Right. And we came in, and he kind of pointed us in the right direction. And then when we came back, he said, welcome back, <laughs> which I thought was cool that he remembered us. Right. Um, and then there were, we noticed there were some articles um, framed and posted about him that he'd been there 20-some years, right? Um, since 1979. So. so it makes me wonder now, knowing that it closed in 94, oh, that he, he, he came back after right. the renovation was done. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but he seemed kind of like a, a staple. It was right. like that, that old man that you see, you know, at these, these like a restaurant or a really anywhere that just you know he's been there forever he knows everything about it and everything about every movie that's there yeah it's like cheers you know right you, you expect certain people to be there when you go exactly so in, if we ever went back i would expect to see this guy i would too yeah. absolutely so that's kind of the backstory on the tivoli right um so that night then we came back and saw a serious man mm-hmm. which is the latest cohen brothers endeavor um <laughs> and I know William was very excited to see that. I was I was very excited to see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the plot, it's about a guy, and I can't remember his name. I can't either, actually. But he's a physics professor at a, it some, it's some college in Minnesota. Right. Um, who, at the same time, has his, his life is basically falling around, down around him. Right. His wife is going to leave him for a family friend. His son is getting ready for his bar mitzvah, but he's also a bit of a dope head. <laughs> right. His daughter is like, wants a nose job. Yeah. Um, just 
his teenager-y brother, right. angst, yeah. His brother is wanted by the is having cop issues because he's a bit crazy, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a student that's trying to blackmail him uh, into giving him a good, or trying to bribe him into giving him a good grade. Right. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what to say. It's hard to explain because I know that's. This is a, and I read somewhere that uh, a couple of critics said this is the kind of movie that you get to make after you win an Academy Award. Okay. I think it's, I think it's safe to say that it's a bit self self indulgent. Yes. And that the Coen Brothers kind of go back to their roots with this film, and kind of study their Jewish heritage. Right. And there's a certain psychology there, I guess, that where there a lot can be read into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I have a hard time because I know there's a lot of things and like my mother used to tell me, you know, you don't understand this now, but, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it'll make sense to you. Okay. And because I love the Coen Brothers so much, I'm afraid to judge it too harshly okay. because I'm thinking 10 years from now, I'll like the movie. You'll understand it. Right. Okay. But basically when I see a movie, I want to have a story that enthralls me. Right. Right. And so... There's a big letdown, and it's a completely different movie, but there was a big letdown between No Country for Old Men and this movie. Well, I think, for me, it was all Coen Brothers movies in that movie. I mean, like, I'm thinking, like, Fargo. Like, that kind of that kind of had that same kind of slow, plotting buildup of, like, a, a character reaching his... reaching, like, a peak of, of hysteria, or the peak of, like, a breakdown. Right. I felt like it had that same kind of buildup, but the story in Fargo... I was so much more engaged in, and and I don't know that I would necessarily say related to the characters, but it was played well enough that even if you couldn't relate to what they were going through, there was that the, those emotions you felt before. Right. And I didn't feel that emotional connection with this movie. I didn't either. And and Fargo and No Country for Old Men. For me, No Country for Old Men is their mm-hmm. masterpiece, and Fargo is too. Yeah. But to me, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's one of my top ten movies. Right. Right. Fargo and No Country for Old Men, there's kind of a mainstream feel to both of them. Mm-hmm. And I think they both did well in the theaters because people could, they enjoyed the story. They could relate to the to the characters in one way or another. Right. Other movies that they've done like Barton Fink or, um, you know, Miller's Crossing and this movie, they may be a little less accessible for like mainstream crowds. Right. But. Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink, I still really enjoy both of those movies. Well, and I think the dialogue in, well, I haven't seen Miller's Crossing, but at least the dialogue in Barton Fink was rich enough that even if there there was kind of an emotional disconnect, there was enough to make me laugh or kind of keep me interested. I I just didn't feel like that this movie had those, any of those elements that I look for in a a good movie, especially a movie that I, I go to thinking like, this, I know this is going to be a great movie. I right. know this is going to be like something I'm going to talk about and think about later. Plus, all the critics, for the most part, people seem to love this movie. Right. And I'm right. like, I'm missing something. Absolutely. And there's a part of me that wonders, because we saw it the night we got up, we went up there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, were we a little bit like road, road, road lagged? Yeah. Because we had done so much already. That's true. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think so either, because we've seen movies when we've been tired before. And right. Come out. You know, if it's a good movie, I don't think it matters how tired you are. Right. And the other thing was, 
well, and be, knowing like how much Coen Brothers movies mean to you, th- during the whole movie, I'm thinking, I really hope William doesn't walk out of here and tell me he likes this movie because <laughs> I'm going to feel like I have missed some. I kept thinking, like, okay, when am I supposed to like this? Like, when is this supposed to get good? And when right. am I supposed to like care about these characters? And that never happened. Well, and it's even like right from the beginning where they kind of start out with the ancestors of this physics yes. teacher. Yes. And I'm thinking, okay, it's and that was a little bit humorous. Right. I didn't I wasn't really sure where they were going. I saw later where they were going with yeah. it. But it didn't grab me. I kept waiting to get grabbed and just pulled into the story and just really loving the characters and everything. But right. it never happened. You're right. It looked good. Certain certain elements of the movie I liked. Um like the the Cy Abelman or whatever his name was. Yes. That was to kind me, of a he was funny. probably yeah. He was one of the mo- the richest characters in the film. Right. Um, and I will say that there's an ending to this film that's kind of similar to No Country for Old Man in that you kind of just kind of left there. Yeah. It's not a solid wrap things Resolution. up. Right. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I, I don't necessarily always want that. Right. I appreciated it <laughs> with No Country for Old Men, which right. a lot of people didn't. But this right. movie, maybe because I was so disappointed up to this point, I, I wanted some, some kind of resolution. Some resolution. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was annoyed too by the ending. Right, and I kind of honestly maybe and maybe it was just kind of all the elements because I didn't feel like there was one woman to my right that sat just a couple seats away from me, who snickered and giggled through the whole movie. And it's not really a snicker and giggle through the whole movie. Kind of there, there were moments where I chuckled, but she was really the only one. There were a couple other smatterings of of that, but other than that, I didn't feel like anyone in that audience. Got was it. engaged. Well, right. And as we were walking out, both I don't know if you heard this, but there were there were two guys that came out of the show before we went before in. we were that were talking about how terrible it was. Right. And then as we were walking out, I heard a woman say, So like <laughs> I felt like everyone kind of left with that same sort of bewildered Right. It's like let down. Yeah. Yeah. What what did I just sit through? Right. So I was expecting Something. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Exactly. And it's like getting kicked in the nuts. So, <laughs> or the ovaries for the ladies. Right. And so, and let me point out one more thing: Paranormal Activity. We both did not like this movie. Yes. However, we have spent. It's been what over a week since we've done the podcast yeah. about it, but we still talk about it. Yes, we do. We never really talked about a serious man after. At all. Yeah. Right. So, Paranormal Activity may be a bad movie. But I'm almost at the point where I'm, I want to tell people to go see it because I may have been wrong. Right, right. So. And I, I feel like it's one of those ones where you have to, I mean, obviously for every movie you have to see it to, to come to your own opinion about it. Right. But I just thought with that one in particular, it's it's kind of thought-provoking. Right. So. So, but I won't be saying that about a serious man, not at this point. No. Yeah. Nor would I. So anyway, that was um, that was our oh yes I forgot about our um, rate the movie um, segment. Right. So William's pulling up imdb.com. We're going to give our ratings to see who gets closest to that on imdb.com. I don't think either one of us will get close to it. I don't think we will either. Yeah. So I'm excited to see <laughs> what happens next. I'm going to give it a five point five. I don't think that I would even give it that, like a 4.7. Right. I guess I went in, I mean, I was thinking, I had such high expectations of it. And maybe that wasn't fair. Maybe I should go into that movie with the same expectation I do for every movie. But, and I think part of it too is that I was seeing it with you. Had I gone with someone else, I think I would have been not as, like, 
trying to be as aware of what was happening as I was during that movie. Yeah, but I think it's okay to go into it. When you go to a Quentin Tarantino movie, when I went to see Inglorious Bastards with you. Right. You know, I'm expecting a certain amount of quality. The same thing with a Scorsese film. That's right. why we're kind of worried about this Shuttered Island movie because we're wondering if it's gonna, it's gonna, we're gonna be let down again. Right. So, um, five point five for me and four point seven. Okay. And and it has an eight point four. Yeah. So once again, <laughs> we're way off. Way off base. So. And it kind of makes me want to see it again. I've thought about it, yeah. like, over the last week, if I would feel differently, but there's so many other movies that yeah. I want to see that maybe it's not the, top priority. Maybe when it comes out on DVD. Yeah, we should watch it again. And, yeah. yeah. That and Paranormal Activity, maybe. Yes. Should, yeah. yeah. Um, although I have had a few people tell me that they had the same opinion. of It, it seems to be either those love it or hate it movies, Paranormal okay. Activity. Right. So. So after the movie, um, we didn't really do much. Did it? I was pretty tired after that. I think you probably were too because yeah. we'd had a long day. Um, but the next morning we got up um, and then went to the Rams-Colts game. Do you want to say where we stayed? Oh, yeah. We need to talk about the hotel where we stayed. We stayed at the um, – it's called the Hilton at the Ballpark. Um, it's right in downtown St. Louis with a great view of the um, Bush Stadium where the St. Louis Cardinals play. Right. I don't think it's Bush Stadium anymore, though. What is it? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, unless you have a better name for it, that's what we're calling <laughs> it. Um, so, but anyway, um, when we got there, first of all, there were approximately 10,000 people in the lobby when we arrived. A lot of women. Yes. Oh, yeah. There was some kind of, like, lady convention happening. All of these women dressed in, like... Um, Stewardess outfits. Yes. And heavily makeuped and jewelried. Um, I think there, I think it was some, cause I was trying to read their little badges and I think it must've been some kind of, um, like not pyramid scheme, but like an Avon or a makeup or a, a Mary Kay kind of thing because they, the logo on their, their name tag had like a little nail polish bottle or something. Oh, really? So, um, that was, a, and I get very annoyed when there's lots of people around <laughs> And when I'm not able to do what I need to do because there's a lot of people around. Especially because you're trying to focus on getting, you know, your room getting exactly. signed in and everything. Exactly. You're a little frazzled. Right. Yeah. Right. So. And so we stood in line, um, got checked in, and the room that we had reserved. And I had reserved the room through um, Hotels.com, mm -hmm. which you pay in advance on Hotels.com. So to me, when I get to a hotel and they say, we're overbooked and we don't have the room that you reserved... That's a problem because I've paid for that room, right. and that's what you, sh you need to hold that unless I've called you and told you I don't need it anymore. Right. Um, so that was a little annoying. So basically they had to kind of finagle a different room. But it had a great view of the city, mm -hmm. um, and it was a nice hotel. It was clean, yep. comfortable. Plenty of uh, elevators. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't have to wait in line 45 minutes like we and they were huge in too. Chicago. Yeah. We were like the only two on it for the most part. Right. Um, and we were, there's two um, towers. There's an east tower and a west tower. And it seemed the tower where we were didn't have as many people in it, maybe. I don't know, because I, I didn't see as many people in that section as I did towards the the east. other elevators. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, we checked in, got in, and then the next morning went to the Rams and Colts game right. um, at the Edward Jones Dome right. in downtown St. Louis. Um 
And normally I'm not a fan of domes. Right. Um, but I must say that the, that facility was uh, Pretty nice, nice. clean. Yeah. The people got us in. Quickly, yeah. yeah. So, and our seats were, uh, I'm going to admit it, the football tickets are a lot more expensive than baseball tickets. Yeah. Probably because you only have 16 games a year compared to 160 or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were in the nosebleed section. <laughs> right, right, we were. <laughs> and we we didn't stay for the whole game. Um, <laughs> I don't even think we stayed for half the game. Well, we stayed till halftime. But we got there late. True. <laughs> but I, I will say this about the seats. Um, I'm not. I'm never afraid of heights. Like. I've climbed, you know, I've, I've been at the top of very tall buildings. I've I've just never been afraid of heights. But for some reason at that dome in particular, where we were sitting, I kept getting like this panic feeling. Like all it would take is one misstep and I would be... Just rolling down. Yeah, I'd be toast. Um, so there was something about it. But once I kind of got sat down and like did some breathing exercises, <laughs> that was fine. But I think because neither of us had a real um, investment in either team, we were kind of like... It's hard to get... Eh. Excited about it. I mean, we were paying attention to the fans right. around us. They were in, entertaining. Yes, they were. <clears> and <throat> I think it, the section where we sat to it was all people who knew each other and yeah. were kind of like didn't know anybody. Right. So we left at halftime and um, went and had lunch. I don't remember the name of that restaurant. <laughs> it's like a sports bar and grill. Yeah, but it had Italian food. It's kind of oh, yeah. kind of had an identity crisis. And it had a little uh, train like over the bar. Like yeah, a little, like a toy train yeah. kind of thing. But it was cool. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we walked over to the Arch, which both of us had seen before. Yeah. Um, and and last week or the last podcast, I called it the gateway to the Midwest, but mm-hmm. it's actually a gateway to the West. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I didn't know that, so I didn't call you out on it. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but we actually, this time we actually went in the Arch. Um you can ride a little, buy a ticket and take a ride up to the top. Yep. And the interesting thing was that they didn't have elevators. Instead, you rode this weird little tram thing, kind of like a train car. Um, has five. It's like a little pod. It, it feels is, like it a pod. very strange. Semicircle of like five seats. And it's probably, what, maybe five feet tall inside? I had to stoop over. I, I You had to like bend over at the waist to get maybe inside. Maybe we can post our pictures that we took in there. We should. To the, we should do that. Yeah. Um, and there's five seats, which I don't know how five people could have sat comfortably in there. Yeah. Um, and then you ride. It's, I think they said it's a th- four minute ride to the top and a three and a half minute ride back down. Mm-hmm. Um, you ride to the top and then there's the arch itself. The, the top section is kind of strange too, because obviously it's sloped because you're in an arch, right. but the windows at the top that you can look out of are probably maybe a foot and a half by five inches um, yeah. that you can see out of. And so you have to, everybody leans over onto this little uh, ledge and looks out these tiny little windows down to St. Louis and the other, I don't know what's on the other side of the Mississippi there, but. Um, yeah, it's pretty is impressive. Is that the Mississippi or is the Mississippi the other side of? I thought it was the Mississippi. I it's think either so the too. Ohio or. The Mississippi, whatever yeah. river that is. Um, so, but it was beautiful. That was the, the cool thing. It was such a, a beautiful time of year. Um, and the city of St. Louis was kind of cool to look at through right. the top yeah. of the arch. All the colors of the trees and, yeah. And to think that we were at the top of that thing. Because when you look up, you can't believe that people could actually be up be there. Be up there, yeah. It looks too small. 
And then they t- they say, you know, if it sways like a couple of inches, That's don't normal. be concerned, right? Yeah. And somebody was telling me um, that the construction of the arch is kind of interesting because I guess they built it in the summer and it got um, it got really hot. And so then when you look at the arch, you can kind of see it's these like sections of metal pieces that are all pieced together to kind of form the arch. And as they were putting the arch pieces pieces in, it was hot and the metal was expanding. Mm -hmm. So they called all of these fire departments from within St. Louis and they came and hosed off the arch and these sections of metal so they could fit them in, so they could contract it back to their regular size and they could fit them in Hmm. properly. It's interesting. I know. It's, I didn't. I didn't hear that on the. We watched a, a brief little film clip. Yeah. Narrated by Ozzy Davis. By was the that way. who that was? Yeah. I couldn't pick up on the voice because it was very distinctive, but I didn't know who that was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. So. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, and oh, the. Uh, I guess post nine eleven. Now, when you go in the arch, you got to go through a metal detector. Oh and, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And I had taken all my metal off, but apparently I still had a can of Altoids in my pocket. <laughs> right. And I got caught. But Which I was thinking, what would ha- what what if like what if he pulled out his Altoids tin and they thought it was like something bad like or something? Chemical. Yeah. Being like the time William got arrested for because he had Altoids. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's like going through the airport. You have to take off your belt and your jackets Jacket. and your shoes and well, but I don't we think we had to take, take off our shoes, shoes off. So. But um but they looked at your shoes. Because I just had little flats on, mm-hmm. and I think the people who had like heels and stuff had to take theirs off. Really? Yeah, because yeah. you know you could put bombs in there. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of fun. I thought that was a cool idea. Yeah. And then we what did kind we of do? well after we left, we kind of walked around the park area around the yeah. uh, arch because it was very pretty and the leaves were falling and there's a little bit of a mist of mm-hmm. rain. That was nice. And then uh, we went back to the room and watched some biography about some dead girl <laughs> which really cheered us up <laughs> exactly <laughs> and uh then we went to another movie yep and we saw um the, we went back to the tivoli i have to say that yeah. and we actually were in two different theaters for a serious man we were in kind of a large main, the main theater. theater right um and they had they've renovated the seats and stuff so it's very comfortable it doesn't feel like you're in an old theater but it's still they kept the the old architecture so you still can kind of appreciate the beauty of the historic theater without feeling like you're in a theater from 1920. Right. Um, but we saw The Invention of Lying with... Uh, Ricky Gervais. Yes, and Jennifer Garner, Gardner and... Um, C.K. Lewis. Is Louis it? C.K. Louis C.K. <laughs> um, and uh, Rob Lowe was also in it. Right. Um, um, Tina Fey. Yes, I forgot Tina Fey was in it as well. Yeah. Um, but basically it follows the story of this, of a, a world where no one can tell a lie. Like they, they don't even know what it is to say that, that, you know, I'm wearing a brown shirt today to say that I'm not wearing a brown shirt just basically changes history because then they would call it something else. It, right. it's they like, would say, Oh, I thought that was brown. But if you tell me it's not, then, then I'm going to call it black for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and, and one man sort of figures out how to tell a lie. Right. Um, and so, basically, it kind of follows how he goes from being a nobody to a very big somebody. Right. By manipulating the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which it was kind of an interesting story, first of all. that Just the concept of 
living in a world with no lie is right. interesting. And this was, I should say, co-written and directed by uh, Ricky Gervais. Yes, so. yes. Who I, I kind of want to see his other movie that came out, like oh, the Ghost, Ghost World or whatever right. Ghost something. Story. Yeah. Um, now, because I, I really like this movie, it's very clever and very uh, insightful. I thought and touching. Yes, it was yeah. touching. Um, so, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was very funny. Yes, uh, entertaining. There were some tugs at the heartstrings. Because mm-hmm. um, you think of Ricky Gervais as kind of a comedic actor, which he is. Well, and very dry and sarcastic. Right. Yeah. But he he had his moments during this film where he really got to you. Yes. And I, I saw you at one point wipe your eye. I don't remember what part, but I'm sure I cried during uh, every movie. It's we a see. hospital scene. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Which. Yeah, it was a touching moment in that movie. You so, wiped your eye, too, during that scene. So anyway, <laughs> um, no, but I, I thought it was funny and clever. Yes. And I really, really enjoyed it. I did, too. Yeah. Yes. So I should say, because I don't think we're going to go, because we both just liked the movie. Mm-hmm. We suggested, right? I would, too. Yeah. yeah. I would say that, um, I should point out that I bought concessions at this theater. Yes, you did. Two things I want to point out. One, I bought concessions. I got a large popcorn and a medium drink for 11 bucks. Right. Which down here in Nashville would cost me probably around 15 bucks. Right. So, you know. <laughs> so buy concessions at the Tivoli Theater. Right. Another thing is there were two girls that came in after we sat down. The theater was basically empty. Yes. And they came and sat directly in front of us. Right. And I think we discussed this. But if we're in a theater and it's like 90% empty. Why would you sit on top of two other people? in front of or behind someone. It drives me crazy. It absolutely drives me crazy. Like part of me wants to tap them on the shoulder. Not not to be pissy, but just to be like, what's your mentality behind this? Like why did, why did you choose these seats out of every other seat? Like right. is this, do you typically sit in this row and it's like a thing where you have to sit in this row every time? Or like do you like being, because what we talked about when we were sitting in the movie theater was like, Maybe we are just two, like, people that don't want to be around other people. Right. Like, maybe others feel close and connected when they sit. Like, right in front of, behind <laughs> right. someone. And I will say that the one thing about the Tivoli that I didn't like, it's not stadium seating. Right. So, I, you know, I'm not that tall. So so we had to actually, we had to move during a serious, serious man. man. Because a big, tall guy with bushy hair sat in front of me. Right. Which is fine. It's not his fault he's tall. And it's not his fault that the seats aren't staggered well. But... Um, but with these two girls came in and then later met up with like four guys right. and we were already settled and the movie had started. Right. So when they moved down, I had to kind of shift around a little bit so I could see, but it was fine. But it just, it's very strange when people do that. I know. I don't get it. We said we were going to experiment uh, the next time we go to a movie that's relatively empty and we mm-hmm. see a guy sitting by himself. <laughs> Emily's going to sit on one side of him <laughs> and I'm going to sit on the other side of him. And then we're just going to talk to each other across him. <laughs> And see what the right. guy does. See how long it takes for him to either get up or ask us what we're doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's inter- That's always interesting to me. Yeah. So, but um, anyway, so what would you uh, rate? I would give that a 7.8. I would give it an 8. Type, type, type. <laughs> Clickety, clackety. And it has a 6.8. We, we are missing the mark. We are. I don't know. I guess people are just deeper than us. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> we just want to laugh. Yeah. That's all. Um, so, yeah. Um, so after that, what did we do after that? After that, we came back to the hotel and went to the hotel bar. Yes, we did. They have a little restaurant and bar in the Hilton. 
Um, it was pretty slick. Yeah. It had a little nook that we sat in. Um, we had some mainly appetizers. And, yeah. Yeah. The bar, uh, the, our waiter was nice. And yes. Very informative. Wanted to tell us all about St. Louis. Right. Um, and we had some good drinks there, too. We did. Vodka tonics. For those of you who don't know, the official drink of the Vagabond, Vagabond Exchange <laughs> is vodka tonics. Right. Um, and that kind of rounded out our trip. It was a nice little night. We actually got in a little bit of a tiff while we were. Do you remember? We that? did get in a little bit of a tiff. Yes, I didn't think we were going to talk about that. Oh, yet, okay, we won't. Do you if, want to? If, no. If if you guys are curious about the tiff that we got into, then, then send us an email at vagabondexchange at gmail dot com. Right. And we'll get into it. And if you'd also like to hear any other, if you, if there's a place you'd like for us to visit or a movie you would like for us to see, we'd also like to take your suggestions. So. That's vagabondexchange at gmail.com. Or you can check out our Facebook page. Um, you can just find us under Vagabond Exchange. Right. And we had a little tiff over that as well because <laughs> Emily wants me to become a fan of the page. Right. But I refuse to become a fan until somebody that neither of us knows becomes a fan right. of the page. So, Joe. Joe. Get Casey. on the stick because William's holding out. Blaine. Yes. Joe, Casey, or Blaine. The three listeners that we're aware of. Right. I know you're all on Facebook, so just man up. Exactly. St. Louis brings you all the warmth and happiness of those gay, carefree days not so long ago. So, yeah, that rounded our trip. We got up, up the next morning, headed back. Um, that was your actual birthday. Right. Um, so we headed back to Nashville. Mm-hmm. We've also seen a couple more movies. Um, on Thursday, we watched uh, The Stepfather with... Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I did too. I had to rack my brain thinking about what we saw next because I knew there was another one. Um, we saw... Uh, and I don't... I can't remember the guy's name that's in that. The guy from Dylan Nip-tuck. Walsh. Dylan Walsh, yes. He plays Sean on Nip Tuck. Um, and Sella or Seal Award. I don't right. know how you say her name. Um, those are the only two that were recognizable to me. Yeah. The girl who played Seal Award's sister has been in stuff before. Yeah, and and the, the um, Sherry Stringfield was in there too. Yeah, yeah. Which I, was, ER, I thought that was kind of cool because I like her. Right. Yeah. Um, basically, this movie's a remake. Uh, it came out probably in the 80s. And I never saw the original, did you? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Oh. But um, basically Dylan Walsh, and it tells you right uh, right on that he's kind of a crazy killer. Yeah, dude. you know he's a bad guy from the beginning. There's no question as to who the culprit is right. in this, this movie. And he comes upon his family mm-hmm. and uh, moves in. Some people are suspicious of him. Right. Others like, you know, the potential wife. Have no idea. Right. Because Which he seems very sweet and family-oriented, and part of the storyline involves... Uh, the oldest son who apparently has had some disciplinary issues in the past and he tries to befriend the son and make sure that he's home and and uh, it reminded me of the orphan and that the son was suspicious Mm -hmm. of him there were 7,000 reasons why this guy was bad but everyone chose to ignore them well especially the girlfriend she was like making excuses left and right (laughs) right so um, yeah so basically the movie just involves him Slowly coming to realize that this guy is a 
crazy. Right. Crazy killer, yep. basically. And for some reason, we saw the movie and it had closed captioning on. Yes, it did. What was up with that? I don't know. But. It was very strange. And you know what else is weird? I forgot to tell you this. We saw a movie yesterday, too, that we'll talk about in just a second. And when I went to buy the tickets, there were two, because I used the electronic kiosk, there were two options for the movie. And I just clicked on the first one that I saw. I wasn't paying attention. Right. And when it pulled it up, it gave the name of the movie and then said CC something else. Uh-huh. So I wonder if they're doing that now, having movies in well, closed caption. I've I, seen other movies at the theater. That were, I just didn't realize that Stepfather, that particular showing, was for... For know, the closed caption. Right. I guess I didn't... I, and I didn't pay attention to that either, so... Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Stepfather wasn't really... Nah. It was like a lifetime. Well, not exactly, because it's very violent, but... Right. It's, yeah, kind of plain and... Kind of boring. Right. But... Not even that scary. No. And there were a lot of very, like, cliche horror movie moments. Like, I, I could tell you were chuckling at some of them because they were so ridiculous ridiculously predictable right um but it's i mean if you want a little bit of a thrill go check it out it's halloween yeah i'd say dvd yeah yeah Yeah. so so what uh i would give it a i don't know five and a half i give it a four wow imdb says 5.1 yep there we go right in the middle that's right so then our last movie review uh yesterday we went and saw where the wild things are um, which is a story uh, based on Maurice Sendak's book, Where the Wild Things Are, that came out, I think, in the early 60s. 60s yeah. um, but it's basically, it's a very short children's book about a boy who um, gets in trouble for being wild and goes to bed and has, it gets, it gets sent Sick to his bed. room before dinner right. and um, falls asleep and dreams about this world of creatures and monsters and they love him and take him in and they go crazy and then he wakes up and realizes well initially he's they're going to eat him yes yes and but then he, he stares at them in their yellow eyes and then he becomes the king of where the wild things right. are right convinces them that he's the king right and um they all love him but then he has to go yeah um and when he returns home dinner is waiting for him right yeah um max is the kids yes <laughs> He's very cute, too. Um, so the movie, obviously, I mean, the, the book is, I think, 10 sentences long. I think, I think so. that's what I've, I've read. I, I felt like it was longer than that. I felt like there was more. Because the, the, the reason this I have a, kind of a sentiment attached to this is because that was one of the books that I learned to read. And I used to read it to my little brothers, like, when they were babies, mm-hmm. you know, like one and two. Um, so I kind of have this nostalgia about it. Right. And also because the kid in the story kind of reminds me of my, my middle brother and that he was very imaginative and sort of ADD and all over the place. And, but ultimately it was just sweet mm-hmm. when you got down to it. But um, I was interested to see, and we also heard a, a review on the Tony Kornheiser show by, I think it was a G McManus or Liz Clark. I get the two of them. No, it was up. an actual, it was a movie reviewer. She's oh, was not it? A, yeah. She's new. I forget her name, but oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then never mind. She does movie reviews, but she um, she talked a little bit about it, and she really liked it. Right. So I was curious to see kind of what how I would feel about it after hearing that. And everyone that I've talked to has either loved it or hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I was what I was nervous about was how many creative liberties Spike Jones would take. I think that's one thing important to point out was that he Spike Jones directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see kind of because obviously how do you take a 10 sentence book and turn it into an hour and 30 minutes obviously he's going to 
stretch out the storyline a little bit or add pieces. But I thought he stayed true to the story. I thought he stayed true to what would have happened to Max if that were real life, kind of how how a little boy would see those things. Mm -hmm. And I also appreciated... um, I appreciated that it didn't... I don't know what I'm trying to say. Scratch that part out. <laughs> but what did you think? Um, well, I should say that it's probably been 30 years since I read this book. Mm-hmm. So I went back because I knew we were going to see it. I mm-hmm. went back the night before and read it. And um, it touched me in a kind of profound way. And I'm sure when I read it the first time, it didn't touch me in the same way. Right. Because there are two things that really kind of stood out to me. Is that this is how this little boy deals with his frustration and anger. Right. He goes and creates this kind of world in his head that allows him to escape and actually be in control of that anger. Right. And um, and so what I thought was, isn't it amazing that, and it's kind of sad that when you're a little kid, mm-hmm. your imagination, imagination is so elaborate. Right. And you can just do, and somewhere along the, the way, reality just overcomes that. Right. Unless you're unique. Yeah. And Spike Jones is kind of unique in Absolutely. that way. And you're able to, you know, still kind of hold on to that. Um, but I think the story allows for a lot of different interpretations. Mm-hmm. And you could probably make a hundred movies based on this book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just go completely in different directions. Right. Um, so I, I enjoyed the movie uh, visually, visually ex- especially. Right. Uh. But, and Catherine Keener's in this movie as well. She plays the mother, and mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo, I guess, yeah. has a little cameo. cameo. I, uh, and I, I will say that I also like that they incorporated the lines from the book into yes. the movie as yes. you went along. Um, but once you got to this other world, I guess my mind from reading the book wanted it to go elsewhere. Uh, I'm not really sure where. Mm-hmm. And I like these the wild things or whatever they right. were interesting but i guess it was uh i started to wonder what the the point was as far as how did they relate to that little boy in you know whatever he was going through and i didn't know if the main wild thing which was played by james gandolfini mm-hmm. kind of embodied most of that anger and frustration that that little boy embodied See that's that's what I felt like, and and I, you were you're right. At the beginning, I was kind of like, okay, what? Because there's there's the, a beginning part. There's a line from the book that says, "Let the wild rumpus begin." Right. And he and he actually says it in the movie, and you kind of see them play. And I kept thinking, okay, what happens next? I don't remember sort of how he he relates to these monsters um, or creatures mm-hmm. later on. But I, I what I kind of took away from it was that those especially the character that he relates to the most, the creature named Carol, played by James Gandolfini, I felt like that was his way of working it out, was kind of, that was Max's way of sort of working out what was happening with his family and with his life and sort of the frustrations he was feeling as this incredibly creative and imaginative little boy mm-hmm. that that through Carol, he realizes kind of how to be. Because ultimately, you sort of see Carol resolve these issues within himself too. Mm-hmm. And so... That, that's what I took away from it, that at the end, he sort of saw himself, pieces of himself in all of those characters, but specifically in Carol. Right. I, yeah, I, I see that. And I guess I saw that during during the film. But 
I don't know that a kid would pick up on that. And that's I don't and I don't know if this is a really a kid's movie. Well, and that's what I I thought about it a lot today because I was thinking I really loved that movie, but I wouldn't call I wouldn't take a kid to see that because I don't think they'd get it. Even even you know, you see like these Disney and Pixar movies and all of these like cartoons that sort of have they're good for adults and kids because they've got little jokes that kids might not pick up on and there's subtleties that, that adults can appreciate. Right. But I felt like this movie had a very, even though I think children deal with these kinds of situations, like with frustration and, and not having an outlet for their sadness and emotions and sort of uh, parents that have other responsibilities that cause them to pull attention away from their kids. I think that's a very pertinent and thoughtful theme to explore. But I didn't think that that the way that they resolved it, a kid could relate to. Right. That that was my only that was my only beef. As an adult watching it, I'd give it a ten. But as someone knowing that this was meant for a child, mm-hmm. I don't know that they pulled that part off. Yeah, and I, I wonder, as far as the the wild things, if mm-hmm. kids would be a little bit uh, frightened Afraid? of them. Yeah, That's what they I were thought kind of too. scary creatures. And I have to say that there were more adults in that movie than kids. There yeah. was one. One, I think, I can't remember if it was One just a guy with or his, yeah. with two two boys. Right. And the rest were all adults. Right. So. And also the world that this kid created mm-hmm. in his mind wasn't that uh, elaborate. I mean, there was, it just looked like they were, and this is just a little beef for me. Yeah. But it looked like they were just outside with trees. And I guess with the book, it's like he creates this tremendous forest. And I just expect it to be, you know, if you're, this is where this kid's, he's a very imaginative kid. Right. In fact, he he tells his story to his mom earlier in the movie. And I'm like, it's a simple story, but it's, you know. You can see it. Very visual. Yes. And so when he goes to this other world, I guess I just expected it to be more vivid. It wasn't very colorful. I, that's what I thought there would be more. I thought there, it's very brown and, and dark. Yeah. There's not, you know, any pops of, I guess when I think of little kids, I see them using like every color in the crayon box. Right. And I, I didn't see that, but I didn't, I thought that was minimal. That didn't distract me okay. during the movie. But I was very emotional at the beginning because you kind of see his relationship with the, the little boy's mom and sister. Right. And I don't, there was just something about the boy. I think it was reminded me of my family. And so... I spent about the first five minutes crying. Really? Yeah, but then me. Then once he kind of gets into his world, I don't know. I, I thought it was. I thought it was very imaginative, and I thought of all the kind of things that they that they built together. I thought if you could have could have stretched, if you could have asked me like, what would you do in your wildest dreams? Something like that might have have come of it, just from a little kid perspective, I guess. Okay. So. I would highly recommend it, but not to a little kid. Okay. I guess, and also in my mind, I'm comparing it to the, the stories like uh, Never Ending Story, mm-hmm. The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. And all those stories, including this story, had a profound effect on me. Although when I saw Chronicles of Narnia, uh, it visually was as captivating as this one was. But right. I actually got into that movie more. More. But I would recommend this movie as well. Yes. So, what would you uh, give it? I'd give it a 9. I would give it a 7.5. 8.1. 8.1. Yeah. Right between the two. Yep. 
Um, so I'd like to see who else was involved in that oh. movie because we, the review that we heard, the the reviewer said the one thing that was distracting to her were, were some of the voices of these creatures that it kind of pulled you out of the story because you were, you know, you're recognizing James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano. Right. But I couldn't place the other people aside from. Well, I, I think, think that Catherine was the only O'Hara. voice that bothered her was yeah. the James Gandolfini, which didn't it, really bother me. It didn't bother me even either. though though I knew who it was. Yeah. Because of that. That anger and that frustration, I thought he, he, you know, hit it right on the nose. But there was also a certain uh, vulnerability right. there to him. So, um, but let's see. Catherine O'Hara did Catherine do the O'Hara. voice. Forrest Whitaker was Ira. That was the one that I couldn't place. I didn't know he was in that. I didn't either. Oh, Chris, Chris Cooper. Cooper. I knew that was Chris Cooper. I did figure. I guessed it was Chris Cooper. Um, Paul Dano. Paul Dano, I don't know who that is. But yeah, Catherine O'Hara, James Gandolfini. Oh, Lauren Ambrose. That's who KW, KW. was. Okay. Um, that makes sense now. I like Chris Cooper. And now that I think about it, when I was watching the movie, I thought, I think that's Chris Cooper. And the kid's, <clears throat> the kid's name is Max well, Records. Max Records. So he's actually That little kid Max. was a good actor, too. He was. There's some pretty uh, thick emotion that he had to show, and he did well with that. Yeah. And I, I must say the special effects were great. They were great. There was a, a whole movie. scene where they're throwing, like, dirt, mounds of dirt at one another. <laughs> it was awesome. It was cool. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that's our, our movie review breakdown for this week. Yeah. We were quite the movie connoisseurs. What do we have coming up? I know we want to both see the Michael Jackson movie. We do, which will... Well, we should say that uh, in the next couple of days, we're going to be headed to Seattle. Seattle. Look out, Seattle Joe. We're headed your way. Get your instruments of destruction ready. Um, yeah, so uh, hopefully before we leave, we want to see This Is It, which I've heard yes. really good things about. Yes, It's F-I. making a ton of money. Like, everybody's of course. going to see it. Yeah. And we're thinking of uh, maybe Precious. Yes, we did talk about that in Seattle. And the men who stare at goats. Right. The and there's something else about. that comes out. Oh, the uh, fourth kind comes out as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah. It's intermission time, folks. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right over to our refreshment center for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Enjoy breathtaking, mouth-watering goodies. Everything from a snack to a delicious full meal. We read this week that uh, Walmart is going to start selling caskets yes caskets and urns apparently and urns, yes. yes which an urn isn't as bad as a casket i can see an urn yeah because i mean really an walking urn's down just like a, a glorified vase right? right the lid on it but caskets uh it says price range from 999 dollars to what 31.99 yeah it looks like it and can ship within 48 hours right so I have a I have an idea of what you're going to say about this, but I want to know what your opinion is. You know, honestly, at this point, I don't really care. I mean, it's I'm not surprised. It's Walmart. There, there are. I think they're trying to build themselves as the low as the low cost provider of everything imaginable. Right. So this just seems a nat- the natural extension. Um, I don't shop at Walmart based on personal. Uh, and moral obligations mm-hmm. that I, I don't know are necessarily suited for this podcast. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if I guess I, I feel like this is probably a viable solution to people who need a low-cost casket. I mean, funerals aren't cheap, and 
some people don't have health, uh, life insurance. So right. when somebody passes away, they need solutions like this. So I know that funerals cost a lot of money. Yeah. And then to put a casket, you know, like $6,000 casket to get a, a quality casket. Right. And so that's a big, that's a lot of stress on someone. Yes. Yes. And um, I think if Walmart had like gone through some subsidiary, like bought a company yes. that specializes in that so mm-hmm. that their name isn't immediately attached. Mm-hmm. Because people say, where'd you get that casket? And you go, oh, Walmart. Right. It's a certain stigma there. Do people ask where somebody got a casket? Is that like a question that comes up at funerals? <laughs> it's a great casket. Where'd you yeah, get it? Hey, uh, I like no. your shirt. Where'd you get it? Right. It matches your casket. Maybe not. <laughs> but maybe it has a Walmart logo on the side. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're saying that there are models like Dad Remembered and Mom Remembered. Is, there, is the mom one pink and the dad one blue? Like what makes them distinctive? Right. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm wondering if their caskets are like their clothes and that their clothing falls apart in the washing machine two months after you get it. So the caskets fall apart (laughs) underground, but nobody knows about it. As they're being lowered into the ground. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, I think it's a great idea, but I just, I think they should have gone through another company name. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Quietly put about 15, it says Walmart based, uh, Walmart quietly put up about 15 caskets and dozens of urns on its website last week, which actually my brother and sister-in-law were apparently talking about this and um, we're having a discussion about uh, how do you, because you can do all those product reviews on walmart.com and it said, how do you review a casket? Who would be the reviewer? (laughs) Because you know, they're not around anymore. It's a very comfortable casket. Yeah. so yeah, I mean it's it's funny, you know. It's it makes room for a lot of jokes, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing. I don't either. But Walmart might have some PR work to do. Walmart for a casket? I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're putting too many of the little men out of business. Caskets ship within forty-eight hours. One caveat: there are no returns. So uh, William and I both subscribe to Entertainment Weekly, and. Um, last week's issue which one thing we've talked about is we have trouble keeping up with every issue i try to read it as soon as i get it um but sometimes i've got like a backlog of issues and then it's not really pertinent anymore because it talks about like this week's stuff in entertainment you know movies tv etc right but i read an article about um spike lee and tyler perry and we've talked about tyler perry on the show before Mm -hmm. um mostly williams talked about tyler (laughs) perry but just kind of the fact that he uh sort of takes a safe route in his movies and and maybe does some stereotyping for black america but um spike lee bashed him a little bit in a a comment i couldn't i don't remember exactly where the where he was where he made that comment um but basically said he wasn't doing anything for black people by keeping these movies coming out right which i think you're kind of on the same page i i am on the same page but like i think clint eastwood at some point told said spike lee just needs to shut up or shut his mouth right the thing about spike lee is he's critical of clint eastwood he's critical of the corn brothers he's critical of quentin tarantino right eddie murphy and tyler perry all people who are more successful than Spike Lee. <laughs> right. So there's a part of me that wonders if there's a little bit of jealousy there. Well, I'm sure. And typically you don't go around like a, publicly attacking your counterparts unless there's some 
other layered resentment there, you right. know. And they're all Academy Award winners except for Eddie Murphy. Right. Well, and Tyler Perry. Yeah. But Tyler Perry's movies have made. I don't think Spike Lee's ever had a. Maybe The Inside Man, but yeah, a number good. one opening film. Right. And so my thing is if you really want to get back at him, make, the, make a great movie. Yeah. Make the movie that he's supposedly not making. Right. I mean, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, to me, were great movies. Mm-hmm. But. And Inside, Mo- Inside Man's a good movie. But it's an, I didn't feel like that was... That's not a typical Spike Lee movie, is it? From no, what I've it, heard, I, I haven't seen Do the Right Thing or Malcolm X. Right. Yeah. But I, what I'm saying is... And 25th Hour is also a good... Yeah, I saw that too. Um, but what I'm saying is is that just make something... Because he did the Miracle, miracle at St. Anna, which I haven't watched yet. Yeah. But I think he thought that that was going to be, and that's at the point where he was critical of the Coens and uh, Clint Eastwood. Okay. I think he thought that was going to be like his Academy Award film, but it didn't do too well. So I think just if you keep your mouth shut and just make quality films, Mm -hmm. then you're you're in a place where you can criticize people. But even then, I still question his judgment, even if you feel that way about someone else in the business like in your genre that's doing the same thing as you I don't, I don't know that that's ever really appropriate it just it just seems it seems low it does seem low um like leave was, that to the critics leave that to people who are paid to be critical about somebody else's work yeah he was he was critical of quentin tarantino because he uses the n-word a right lot in his movies right and i think he and samuel L. jackson had a fight because samuel L. jackson was in like uh jungle fever he was in Mo Better Blues. Mm-hmm. He was in Do the Do the Right Thing, and then they had a falling out over the Quentin Tarantino thing. And he hasn't been in a Spike Lee movie since. So. But he's Quentin Tarantino's bitch now. Right? Sam Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, you would be too. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I would be too. Honestly, I would be. I'm not. Saying I think he kind of made his Jackie Brown, yeah. Pulp Fiction, yeah. So. Or maybe Quentin Tarantino is his bitch. Could be. I, don't, I just I lose respect for people when they do things like that. I do too. Yeah, it's, just I think you're right. I think it's it's driven from jealousy. Just make a great film. Yeah, and then what what'll happen is people will start stop going to Tyler Perry movies mm-hmm. and start going to Spike Lee movies. You don't have to say anything except right. with your art, right? And that'll do all the talking for you. But when you open your mouth and people already have a bit of an issue with you, you're not really being doing anything for yourself and your words follow fall on deaf ears deaf ears yes so agreed so yep we're headed to seattle in a few days um so but but uh, Seattle Joe has given us several suggestions. I think we'll be capitalizing upon once we're there. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll be back soon with stories of our trip to Seattle and probably a thousand more movie reviews. Yeah, right. We'll uh, we'll well we're it'll be over a weekend that we're gone. Right. But we're actually going to be here, so maybe we can record the podcast when we get back. Yeah. And so it shouldn't be that long between this show and the next one. Absolutely. Yeah. So until then. This was a long show. Yeah, it was a long show. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> so until then, we'll... Uh... <laughs> I don't know how to close this. Right. We'll see you guys in a bit. Bye. Bye. Before leaving, make sure you have all of your personal belongings. Use caution when opening the overhead bins, as items may have shifted during the flight. We thank you for flying with us today. We truly appreciate your business and look forward to serving you on a future flight.